We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They will get right back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see morning, you all. Scott. Talking about keeping more money in your pocket during retirement. Yes, yes. I, I think everybody would like to have that, sure. right? Yeah. You know, even now. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to spend it. <laughs> oh yeah, you Wait said spend it. Yeah, spend it. But this will allow you to have more to spend. Even. Oh, okay. there you go. So, same diff, really. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, somehow or another, you got more money in your pocket. Your choice, what you want to do with it. I, okay, perfect. perfect. <laughs> and uh, you know, looking, at, it breaks it into like five or six pieces here. And number one. And we've talked about this, Andy, um, forever, is just get a financial plan. Yeah. I can't tell you the value of that because it gives you a track to run on. It gives you an idea on confidence in terms of can I afford this? Can I not afford this? Do I have to be careful? You know what? We should be, you know, maybe taking our grandkids on a vacation. Mm. Um, It really does outline it, including many factors. So if you don't have, if you have a financial planner, hopefully that person has the software with their firm to give you a complete financial plan that includes inflation, the Monte Carlo analysis that Andy and I talked about even just last week, Um, life insurance kicking in, when you're going to buy your next car, standard deviation on your investments, all the factors to model as closely as we can your retirement, but even more importantly, being able to update that on, on an annual basis when you meet with that person. So it really becomes a living plan. And so at every meeting, when you go through this, you can see, okay, what's my likelihood of success? Meaning I'll get to the end date, living to 100, living to 95, whatever end date you choose, Mm -hmm. without having to sell my house. Or if I choose to sell my house, when do I have to sell my house? Mm -hmm. Um, What are my options? And it has a lot of what ifs. So I said, okay, what if I sold my house, but then decided to move to assisted living or Mm -hmm. decided to rent? Or, and you have, just fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You can fill in the what ifs. What if I donated a lump sum to my favorite charity? How would that impact my plan? Let's do it. And we can actually do that live when we're meeting with our clients. You know, we don't have to just print it out. We can have live, do all the what ifs and say, okay, how do you like this one? And then eventually have a hard copy in your hand. But you can, if you do not have a financial planner, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you can purchase this type of software. It's about $1,000. Hmm. Um, so it's not cheap, but you do have to update that every year. So there is calculators out there, but there is a lot of blank spots with them. So you kind of get what you pay for really mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But one thing is to have the software or have a calculator that m- mimics some of these processes. The other part is making sure you have, you understand what data to put in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, it's understanding the whole picture. So it is great to have that financial plan. I can't really stress this enough how important that is. Number two, um, RSP withdrawal strategy. So there's a lot of, you know, you have all these RSPs, they build up and what do you do with them? Like, when do you start taking it out? Mm-hmm. Should you just start taking it out, they say at 60 or do you put it off to 72? Um, because actually at 72, at 71, you have to move your RSP to a RIF mm-hmm. and at the age 72, you have to start including that income into in your, your yearly income. So you have to include that as you withdraw that. But there's a lot of strategies in between that 60 if you retire early or all the way to 71. And one of them, and we've talked about this over the past, is the CPP start date. When do you start ca- taking that Canada pension plan? 
And this is extremely important because you can put that off, as we've talked about, all the way to age 70. So if, you know, let's say the normal is 65. If you start at 60, you would get a 36% decrease. So anytime before 60, it doesn't have to be 60. You can go even a year or even one month before 65. But any, any months before 65, it's 0.6% per month decrease in what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to get 1000 a month in Canada Pension Plan and you started at age 60, there'd be a 36% decrease. Therefore, you'd get $640 a month. Right. Okay. May or may not be worth it. You have to look at that as your overall plan. Doesn't make sense. Now, on the other hand, you can put that off right to age 70, in which case you'd get 0.7% per month increase, which works out to 42% increase by the time you're 70. Well, therefore, that 1000 a month now goes to 1420 a month. Mm-hmm. Now, why I'm saying this is say, well, if you're looking at the old age security, and this is one of the games we all try to do, as much as we, you know, if your income is up, bouncing up against that threshold where you're going to get some old age security clawback, first of all, congratulations. Mm. Okay. Mm. That's a good thing. It means you're making a pretty good dollar in retirement. And it starts, the clawback starts at $77,580. And you start losing 15 cents on the dollar after that. So therefore, for every dollar you make over that 77580 you lose 15 cents of your old age security. Right. Which by the way is 16, uh, $613 a month right now, which works out to $7,362 a year. Not chump change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if there's two of you, that's 14700 approximately that you would get between the two of you if you're, if you're married. Mm-hmm. So I can see why you'd want to keep the old age security as much as possible. So there's lots of ways, and this is a crucial time to have a plan to figure out how should I um, make this as most efficient as possible in terms of taking an income. Do I start my, my RSPs early? Do I take lump sum withdrawals? Do I delay it as much as possible to age 72 um, and, and worry about that? Or do I put off my Canada pension plan and take a higher RSP now, knowing my Canada pension plan is kind of my guaranteed income starting at 70. Mm-hmm. So there's so many variations. This is what Andy and I will actually work out. What is the best one for you? Now, we don't know, of course, life expectancy. Make things a heck of a lot easier if we did. Boy, would it. <laughs> Talk about easy planning. Yeah. Um, we simply go by, you know, whatever, you know, your genetics, your health, um, stuff like that, smoker, non-smoker, and say, okay, you know, if you're a male overweight smoker, uh, probably... Canada Pension Plan at 60 isn't necessarily the worst thing mm-hmm. because your life expectancy is probably less. Yeah. If you are a fit non-smoker woman, your life expectancy probably is going to be in the 80s and then some, and therefore putting it off to to 70 isn't necessarily a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So again, it's trying to make it as efficient, but there's so many moving parts. That old age security is also part of that part that you don't want to lose that. So the interesting thing is you can also delay that old age security. And say, well, why the heck would I do that? Well, you can delay it from 65 all the way to 70, and it's 0.6% per month. So that's a 36% increase to 70. Unlike Canada Pension Plan, where it was a 42% increase. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's not as much of an increase if you put it off. But what it does do, if you're going to get $7,300 a year, now you're going to end up you know, at 65, currently you'd get $7,300 a year approximately, you'd actually end up getting $10,000 a year if you put it off. Well, what I, what's kind of interesting is the clawback's the same. 
it's the same 15 cents on the dollar, meaning your income can be a lot higher before you're fully clawed back. So if you are gonna get $10,000 of old age security, instead of the threshold being 126,000 where you stop getting your old age security, now the threshold is 144,000 because you got more to claw back. Yeah. It's still 15 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So the, basically, at 77,580 in this year, you start to lose your old age security. By the time you hit 126,000, you've lost it. Mm -hmm. For most people who start getting their old age security at age 65. But if you did put it off to 70, now you've got this 10,000, it takes longer to claw it back. So let's say you actually made $126,000. If you start at 60, you've lost all your old age security. You didn't. Get, you got 100% clawed back. If you wait to 70, you'd actually get $2,700 a year because of waiting. Right. And and that therefore, so if you still made 126,000, because the clawback now is further out, you actually would end up getting $2,700 and $2,740 every year there on in. So it, and again, it's indexed. So you would actually get more over time. Bottom line is there's so many gyrations. And, and so working out the CPP, um, old age security and the RIF or RSP combo is crucial to seeing if you can get more money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about RIFs, number three is starting that RIF. Um, when do you start it? If you, have a, uh, if you don't have a pension plan, a uh, defined benefit plan of any sort, then you probably would like to start at least some of it at age 65 mm -hmm. because you'll get that 2000 per year pension credit. And that what that means in your pocket is $415 per spouse. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you and your spouse did not have any kind of pension at all, you could take 4000 a year out of RIF at 65, qualify for that pension credit, and that saves you $830 per year. Mm -hmm. So now again, not chump change, it's not a ton of money, but at the same time, why leave it on the table? I know so many people that are deferring this riff and thinking, I'll just put this out. You know, I don't need the money. Why take it? I'm thinking it's free money. Take the, take the $415 savings now. And so it's a, it's a great option. And again, even if you didn't want the, you know, just anytime you can take money out of your RSP and pay less tax, I always recommend yeah. it. Um, the thing about RIFs too that is you get the minimums are mandatory. You have to take out the minimum per year. It's a government set minimum, but you get to change whatever above that you want. So you can change that above the minimum, but the minimum is mandatory. And uh, the one thing people do often forget is the power of leaving the money in the RIF. I know Andy and I did a seminar back in the fall of last year and we actually created the situation of let's cash in some of the RSPs early. Well, the scenario actually worked out that if you put it off, the estate was far better off, even though you end up paying a bunch of tax at the end. Mm -hmm. Because it, as soon as you pay the government any money now, it means that money's no longer working for you. Mm -hmm. And the power of tax-free compounding does make a big difference. So again, you have to work out that scenario. Does it make sense to take it early or defer it? And uh, number four was uh, that disability tax credit. Okay, that's uh, kind of a, my new thing here this year because I've, I've talked to a number of clients that have gone and applied for this 
and they found out that they actually did qualify. And it seems to be a proud moment. I don't really think I'm disabled kind of thing. Hmm. But when they go and apply, they say, whew, I qualified for the last five years. Yeah. The savings is $1,600 a year. Wow. Well, when they get a check for $8,000 for yeah. going back for those five years, mm. all of a sudden it's not, a, not such a bad thing. With it, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So there's two more, but we'll, we'll save those two for after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about keeping money in your pocket during retirement. Yes, and just to go through again, a lot of these things, this is stuff that we do every day. Mm -hmm. And you know, literally, this is trying to make your retirement as tax efficient as possible, which starts with... As a review, getting a financial plan, getting that RSP, OAS, and CPP kind of withdrawal strategy mm -hmm. together. And then uh, following that up with a RIF, or a RIF strategy, um, a registered retirement income fund strategy. When do you start that? And uh, of course, try to, if you do feel that you qualify for the disability tax credit, certainly apply. Mm -hmm. It's worth $1,600 a year, and mm -hmm. you can have that retro. And finally, uh, Tax-free savings account can play a big role now in your retirement. It's been nine years now, and there's some pretty tidy sums that are building up in those tax-free savings accounts. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of my clients are very close to the $100,000 mark mm -hmm. because they've put in the 69500 maximum over yeah. the course of those years, and it's just growing. Some are actually well over the 100000 Well, let's say that you've hit the clawback threshold and you really don't want to cash anything in. If you cashed in non-registered, it would create a capital gain. Mm -hmm. And, it would, and then you, therefore you start losing your old age security. Or if you cash in some more of the RSPs, you play more, you lose old age security. So right. this is where the tax-free savings account has so many great flexibilities to it. But this one in particular, if you're already at the 77,000, you need another $10,000 of income. Take it from the uh, tax-free savings yeah. account. Yeah. And you've got this extra income, isn't taxable, and doesn't affect your old age security. And finally, if you've done everything well and you've got lots of money, then it's time to think about estate planning. And what part of the estate planning I'm getting here is if you have less money in your hands, that means less money that is earning income and therefore less money that is taxable. Mm -hmm. And less money taxable means more money that is in your pocket because you're gonna qualify for more of the old age security. So ideas, if you've got grandkids, um, contribute to their registered, registered retirement, um, sorry, registered education savings plans. Mm -hmm. Okay, the RESPs. And we've talked about this over the years because it's often quite difficult for the parents to contribute. Mm -hmm. But boy, is a lot, you know, if you've got the cash, here's a great opportunity to help out your grandkids for their fund, funding their education. A brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen up, grandparents. You, you got it. Yeah. You got it. And I, we do have a plenty of them doing it right mm -hmm. now, but um, this is a great place. Plus, when they're going to school, um, you may or may not be around at that time, but boy, what a great legacy yeah, to leave yeah. saying, okay, yeah, I, I helped right. my 
my grandkids through university. Mm -hmm. um, Tax-free savings accounts for kids. They have to be over 18. And if uh, they're not, you know, they're paying for houses, they're trying to do RSPs, maybe you say, oh, here's a gift, but it has to go into your TFSA. Helps them to learn to save. Mm -hmm. And now you've created more money that's growing tax-free. Um, you've already used up yours, so why not send some over to the kids? Hopefully no strings attached, of course. Um, the other one is, again, perhaps using some of your funds to make RSP contributions for your kids because maybe they aren't in a position to save. There's so many indebted um, kids these yeah, days, true, with, yeah. particularly with the housing price. We don't have to go through that to know, you know how little money there is left behind mm -hmm. now. And so they're doing what they can. But boy, if you can make a bit of difference at the beginning, say in their 20s or early 30s, that compounding effect of the money by that time they hit 60 mm. can make a massive difference. And also, because they'll get the tax deduction, they'll also qualify for more child tax credits. Mm -hmm. And finally, um, just have some fun with this money. Maybe take a big giant family vacation, take them all to Disney, go, yeah. on, a, go on a cruise, whatever. River cruise. I, absolutely. <laughs> have some fun, take lots of pictures. And because when you get a little older, those pictures will be what's hanging on your wall yeah. to give you all the memories. So mm -hmm. there's some... Uh, there's some retirement strategies to keep some more money in your pocket. I know Andy's going to go over something not gonna too different. Carry on. Yeah, I want to continue on the sort of same theme. And, and the topic I was thinking about when we were coming into the show was financing your retirement. And this is sort of, this is a seminar that we've done in the past, but mm -hmm. financing your retirement is about how to create that cash flow that you need. And um, as I was listening to Don, the one thing that I thought was interesting that's worth uh, not repeating, but reflecting on is the Canada Pension Plan and old age security in terms of a survivor benefit. Mm -hmm. And in other words, when you die, when if you're in a mar if you're married or in a, um, a, a common law relationship and your spouse would qualify for survivor benefits under Canada Pension Plan, the first thing that you need to know is that for old age security, there are no survivor benefits. When you die, that old age security payment uh, stops. Yeah. Nothing continues on to your spouse or partner. But when it comes to Canada Pension Plan, it does carry on as a survivor benefit, but only to the extent that the other person, the surviving spouse, gets to the maximum Canada Pension Plan amount. Mm -hmm. and I'll give you an example. If you are earning the maximum, we'll call it $1,000 a month, and your spouse is earning, say, 900 a month. They had not quite earned the maximum over the years, and uh, so now they're at 900 If If you die earning the 1000 your spouse, and many people would think about a normal pension where you might get a 60% survivor right. rate or a 50% or maybe 100% survivor, meaning it, it, your pension carries on to your, your spouse after your death. With Canada Pension Plan, what would carry on is only a top up to the maximum. So in my right. example, the surviving spouse would go from $900 to 1000 mm -hmm. So an increase of 100 bucks mm -hmm. more a month. So really a, a decrease of 900 in terms of the overall yeah. income. But... Um, uh, it, as you know, as you think about a normal pension, you, if that same situation happened with a 60% survivor, the, uh, the person would get $600 per month on top of their 900. So they would have gotten 1500 a month right. instead of, uh, dropping to just, a, or increasing to just a thousand. So there is some difference when you, when we think about, uh, as part of the retirement planning process is we like to, uh, kill you off. <laughs> and see what happens, right? What would happen if you died now? What would yeah. happen if you died in 10 years? What would happen yeah. if you died, uh, lived a long time as well? But yeah. at the end of the day, killing off each spouse mm -hmm. to look at what the outcome is going to be and understand, is that going to be enough income mm -hmm. to meet your ongoing retirement needs? So 
All right, so coming back to financing your retirement and creating your the cash flow, how to create that cash flow that you need. The process is the, is the same for everybody, but it's it sounds simple, but it's not easy, and it, and it involves a lot of discussions. And the first step is always about re- determining your retirement goals, and that might be, you know, how soon is it going to be? Like, what age do you want to retire? Taking a snapshot of your current situation, thinking about what your spending needs are going to be, and understanding where your money's going is so critical. The second step is building that retirement income. So you, most of us are used to getting a paycheck every two weeks or whatever, mm-hmm. one, one source of income. Right. When you retire, you have multiple sources of income. So understand what those sources of income are, what are your income needs in retirement, and identify what the gap is. Mm-hmm. And where we, then we can start to plan around where that might be, uh, where that could come from. And then it, as you, in your lead up to retirement, it's about maximizing your savings. What's the right saving strategy? Should it be TFSA or? RSP, can you maximize your contributions, that sort of final push into right. retirement? And so there's set, there's sort of six steps that we go through in that income planning process. What is your retirement income, the estimate of your expenses, what gaps exist, what withdrawal rate will you, uh, will you use, how much, how sustainable is that income over time, and then what are the right products and planning strategies, as Don was talking about, the different types. When do you start your RSP? When do you not start taking money out of your RSP or Canada Pension Plan? So at the end of the day, you end up with what's your number? Mm-hmm. How much, what percentage of your income do you need mm-hmm. to be able to retire? Now, uh, years ago, and we've been doing this for over 30 years, but it used to be maybe 70% was yep. a good sort of yeah. standard amount. Um, today, most people are saying it's probably 80. And then, but if you're planning to do a lot of extra act- uh, curricular activities or particularly maybe pl- uh, traveling yeah. a lot, that could easily be 100% mm-hmm. of what you're earning yeah. now. Yeah. And I, so, do, I do have some clients yeah. and they'll break that into kind of thirds. They'll say, okay, the first 10 years of my retirement, I'll be spending more. 120%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing these trips. I got my, yeah, I got yeah, my yeah. bucket list to go through here. Off. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a great strategy. So it's nice to be able to uh, illustrate that in a yeah. planning model and be able to say, here's how that would look and what's the probability of success mm-hmm. at the end of the day as we talk about our Monte Carlo analysis. So every plan's unique and everybody, uh, when we look at these figures and we alter them, it, it, it's always going to be uh, uh, built on your numbers and the facts around your own situation. But the two most common questions that everybody has if you're, if you're approaching retirement is, how much do I need, mm-hmm. right? D- if I got enough. Yeah. Uh, and if you're already in re- currently retired, am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Is it going to last? Am I, is, 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 am I going to be able to do all the things we want? Will there be a legacy, something I could leave to the kids as well, if mm-hmm. that's important? So when you're thinking about retirement and we get into that discussion, and this can easily take a whole appointment for yes. sure, just talking about what that might, try to pull out from people what they're envisioning. Um, you know, it's not like suddenly tomorrow you're going to retire and okay, what am I going to do? This is something you want to be thinking about, but what will keep you busy in retirement? What, what's that going to look like? What will your, what will your days or weeks look like? And maybe it's broken up by season. Maybe you're a golfer in the, in the summer, but Mm -hmm. what would you be doing in the winter or the off seasons? Mm -hmm. Uh, will you start a new career maybe? Have lots of people tell me I'd like to do something part-time, but something without responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can show up, do my thing and leave. Yeah. And I would like that just to be engaged and uh, connecting with other people as well. Will you be looking at new activities, pursuing new things like new hobbies? Um, How will you manage your health? Uh, Will you be planning to be with a partner or will you be alone? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Will you be supporting activities of kids or grandchildren? 
Uh, I'll see lots of uh, parents or grandparents that are interested, as Don said, whether it's an education savings plan, helping out with some uh, early childhood education programs, Montessori, mm -hmm. private school in early stages as well. Will there be any changes to your expenses in retirement? Will you be spending, you know, a certain amount of time out of the country and a warm destination yeah. part of the year? What's that going to cost? What are your investment assets and liabilities? And sort of just your snapshot of where you are today. And how willing are you to accept fluctuation in your investments? And that's really about drilling down into your risk profile and your risk tolerance when it comes to your investments. So at the end of the day, we sort of build that picture of what these things are going to look like. And then we start to drill down to what, try to attach dollar amounts to this. And it, once you've sort of have that retirement lifestyle in mind, we can now forecast what your income is going to be. So mm -hmm. that tends to be a more mechanical process because we know the different sources, we know yeah. what you can take. And then we see what the gap is, how much gap is there. And now we need some strategies to fill that gap, bridge the gap between what you're going to have and that lifestyle that you want. But then the truth is, as Don said too, we, most of us Canadians are enjoying longer retirements and it's a 50-50 chance. You know, you think about a male today uh, has an average lifespan age 83, but things about averages are that yeah. that means half the people died earlier, but half the people live longer than yeah. 83. So which half are you going to be on? You don't know. And when you, when you look at a, a couple, a married couple together, one member of a couple, the odds are 50-50 that one of you will live beyond 90 for mm. sure. So we know that longevity has to be considered. Um, but you can certainly think about staging or phasing your expenses as Don talked about. Um, probably the thing that's missed the most though is medical expenses. And what I've mm -hmm. seen over the, the, in most recent years is the rise of out-of-pocket expenses that people right. are paying for. And so, you know, I, the complaint I get a lot too is that everybody will buy a health plan mm -hmm. and they're paying monthly for the health plan. And yes, it's a medical expense and you get some tax relief for that. But then they always say, well, is it really worth it? They start thinking about what am I spending my money on? How yeah. often do I go to the dentist? How much am I being <clears throat> reimbursed? It seems like they're just making money and mm. I'm, I'm not getting any value from this. So that's something to look at again. And maybe don't, if you feel you've been locked into a plan for a while, maybe it's time to shop around for your medical plan. And, but, and, and again, when you're looking at insurance, these are all forms of insurance. Mm -hmm. Yes. And insurance is there not to necessarily use all the way. So you make money on it because a lot of it is things that don't happen often that would cost a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so you understand that companies do make a profit margin on this too. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, out of country insurance is a, is a, is a great cost as people yes. get older. Yes. But you almost have to say, okay, that's just part of the cost of a vacation. Right. Because otherwise yeah. it'll drive you crazy. True. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. No flights, parking, um, you know, accommodations and travel insurance. It's just part Even, of your yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. It has right. to be just part of the cost. Yeah. I think I just was speaking with um, an 85 year old who's traveling to Florida just for a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's 250 bucks yeah. for out yeah. of country It's a major concern for, one for week. some. Yeah. So yeah. it adds yeah. up, right? Yeah. You put that on top of your flight. So now... Anyway, it's part of the ongoing price mm -hmm. of travel yep. as we age too. But wait times uh, in Canada are are getting longer in many cases so that people are trying to skip the line by basically paying for cer certain services themselves or mm -hmm. accessing services and just paying for that. Um, and if you go outside of a clinic, I had a client who um, whose health was deteriorating and she ended up, in, she was in a, in a wheelchair and her mobility was terribly uh, affected. Um, and they couldn't figure out why. And she had, uh, had never married and mm -hmm. had built up a, a, a very a wonderful personal net worth. And so decided that she would go to the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. 
And to go to the Mayo Clinic to go through all a series of tests, and she was there for about four days in Cleveland. Um, by the time she brought somebody who was a personal aide mm-hmm. to be able to assist her for mobility reasons, uh, the hotels, transportation, insurance just to be there, and then paying for that, it was a $17,000 U.S. expense. Mm. So, I mean, yes, there's tax relief on some of that, but, uh, you know, you, sometimes you just need to access this. And it's yeah, funny, yeah. I, you know, I was talking about another client's situation where they were looking at a hip replacement. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, well, I don't know if I should do it. What's the wait times and everything? And in talking, you know, you could fly to the U.S. and have a hip done, boom, yeah. done, you yeah. know, and then back next week. Mm-hmm. So do you, are you willing to pay for it? Yeah. But again, we're kind of schooled on the fact that we don't pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. seems like it's, you know, just not our culture to pay for medical service. But if you're talking to an American, oh, yeah, it cost me 15 grand for this. Yeah. And they don't think anything of it because no. that's just their normal way of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, exactly. yeah, if you want the extra service, yeah, absolutely. There's available. Just have to pay the extra. So the other thing we, t- and we think have to consider always is inflation over time. And we've been in a period of low inflation for many years, but certainly inflation has been much higher. You know, but if you start with a million dollars as your nest egg for retirement over 25 years, it's not a long time. So yeah. if you're 60 or in your mid 80s, uh, that's at 2% inflation, it's worth 600 grand. Mm. At 3% inflation, 480. At 4% inflation, 375. Mm. So it's almost cut by a third. Uh, two thirds, I should say, uh, at higher inflation levels. So, this is where people, I think, it's you got to be careful to understand your risk tolerance because being too conservative in your investments are going to be very dangerous in terms of the impact of inflation over time. Mm. The more conservative your investments, the less likely they are to manage inflation. So, we'll carry on. I want to talk a little bit more about financing your retirement when we return. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now. Now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can uh, retrieve old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Talking about financing your retirement. Yeah, and we were just uh, went over the impact of inflation in terms of your portfolio. And the next thing we want to talk about is the withdrawal rate. How much are you going to take out of your portfolio on an annual basis to fund your retirement? And the withdrawal rates will make a big impact in terms of how long that money will last. Mm-hmm. And we actually were able to go back and look at um, real life numbers of a portfolio. And in the example, we went back to 19, the start of 1970, if you had $500,000 and you were taking out from that investment portfolio, uh, 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, or 8% per year. So basically 20 grand a year, 25, 30, 35 or 40,000 a year, and then indexing that withdrawal by 2% per year for inflation so that you didn't lose your purchasing power over time. And if you needed 40,000 a year, that's the 8% withdrawal rate, well, you'd, it'd be all done in 17 years. Mm-hmm. So if you're 65, so, you know, maybe 80, yeah. 82, uh, the money's done. There's nothing left. If you can live on 35000 a year, 7% withdrawal, it'll last 25 years. 6%, 40 years. At 5%, 
the money won't run out. It actually can continue to grow. Mm-hmm. From 1970, um, it would be worth about $1.5 million after 50 years. And uh, at 4%, the same thing's true too. So it would be about $3.5 million. So the bottom line is if you're taking anything more than uh, 5% uh, withdrawal rate, you're likely using up your money over time right. by the time you factor in inflation. And uh, so you just, have to, you just have to hope you didn't live too long. That's the bottom <laughs> yeah. line. Uh, so when you think about your income sources to plan efficiently, the key thing is, it, I mean, it is complex. There's the, the different types of various sources of income that you get during retirement. You know, you, you've got Canada Pension Plan, which Don talked about, and that gives you a regular monthly income. The entitlement's based on your past contributions and the length of your contributions, and you have to apply to get those benefits to start. And then deciding on when, what age you're going to start them is, becomes a key part of the planning process. Old age security is the same thing too monthly income. It is income tested though. So clawbacks, as Don mentioned, at 77500 or more, it's a 15% clawback of every dollar beyond that amount. Then you have things through your employer, for example, a pension plan, and it's either going to be a defined benefit plan, which is guaranteed income, or it's going to be defined contribution plan, which creates what we call asset-based income. That's sort of like that $500,000 pile. How much, that's your asset base. How much can you take out? You might have a group RRSP at work. That's another asset-based income. You might have a deferred profit sharing plan at work. That's another asset-based income. And RRSPs are a big one, and that's also an asset-based income. So the benefit of RRSPs, of course, you get the immediate tax relief. It's a long-term investment, but it's that compounding growth that's Mm. tax-sheltered until you start to take it out. Uh, You know, I think the other part that you need to think about is TFSAs. And um, basically, again, the limit is 69.5. The withdrawals are tax-free. You can um, use it for retirement. You could use it for a major purchase goal down the road, a car or a vacation property, or maybe it's just part of an emergency fund. So you can have multiple purposes for your TFSAs during retirement as well. And then your non-registered assets. So these are, once you've sort of maximized your RSP and you've maximized your tax-free savings accounts, and now you're looking to uh, save beyond that, then your non-registered investments become the next step. And that is really about tax-efficient investing. You have three types of income. You can earn interest, you can earn dividends, or you can earn capital gains. Interest is the highest taxed form of income. So non-registered funds, the strategy would be you want to strategically invest that to minimize tax, but it also means how do you withdraw during retirement phase is Mm. a strategic part as well. But it also may be a source of things like for for, um, charitable donations or something like that as well. So how do I get my money? You know, as you said before, retirement used to get a single paycheck every two weeks. Now you're going to be getting all these paychecks, money from your TFSA, money from your RIF, money from your older security, Canada pension plan, your employer, non-registered investments. I think the key here is to have it all be, all those income streams going into one account. And we use our, at IG, we use something called our solutions banking, all in one account. And And really you want everything going in to there. Now, so many times I see people, they'll have um, 
Some of their retirement paycheck is going into one spouse's name. Some's going into the other spouse's name. Sometimes they have a different bank account where they want one piece to go to. So by I think it's confusing yeah. because you never know when it comes time to uh, for a major expense or something, you're never really sure where you're going to pull it from or who's going to contribute or how, where it's, and, and so is it his money or our, her money or our money? You know, whose money yeah. is it? Which pile does it <laughs> come Which pile should we touch? <laughs> Which pile can't we touch? Uh, and that might set up some arguments as well. So mm-hmm. streamlining. Speaking from experience, Eddie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. But, <laughs> me neither. I, I've, not, not me. Streamlining that monthly income into a single paycheck, I think, creates so much more clarity and confidence around the retirement plan as well. So, you know, I, I could run through some quick tips. Uh, we're we're going to run against a clock here in a second. But, the, you know, some of the simple things that we're going to look at when we're building your retirement plan is those contributions to RRSPs, saving tax along the way. And uh, number two would be setting up something like a regular commitment to your savings, that pre-authorized contribution, whether it's 500 a month, 1,000 a month. Get that basis and that process started as early as you can and just keep it going right up until retirement. Um, Number three is the more you earn, the more you should save. Mm. It's easy to get sort of set up, you know, I'm saving 500 a month, but then, you know, five or six years have gone by and now you're making twice as much, but you haven't increased your savings. So we'll talk about some more tips when we come back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about financing your retirement. Yeah, we're just running through some tips and I think the other one to think about, and this is from tax planning perspective too, is income splitting. Income splitting prior to age 65 is only eligible for pension income that you get. So if you're planning to retire before 65, uh, you should be definitely looking at spousal RRSPs because that is going to be a way to continue to income split some strategies prior to 65. If you're over 65, then you can split everything in terms of those uh, RIF withdrawals, pensions, etc. So the spousal RRSP can still help balance things out, but it is, it is important. So if I was looking at a quick example case for spousal RSPs, if your retirement income was $60,000 and that's all coming into one person's name, the average tax rate is going to be around 20%. So you're going to end up with about 48 grand left mm-hmm. over after tax. If you could, if you had split that income by using spousal RRSPs so that one person reported 40 grand and the other person reported 20, still 60 total, you actually tax, total tax would be about 52,000. You'd save four grand in tax mm. just by using that strategy every year prior to age 65. Wow. So the spousal RSP still makes sense and I think that's um, an important strategy. Uh, diversifying your portfolio. We talked a little bit about risk uh, and not being too conservative. And I'm gonna skip that next one. and. Uh, dipping into your savings is something prior to retirement. I mean, you've saved it for a reason during retirement and that is to spend it, Mm -hmm. but dipping into savings prior to retirement is very, you just look at a 20, you needed $20,000 out of your RRSP, uh, out of your savings for retirement. That's worth 50 grand over 20 years. So that's what that could have grown to. So just be careful when you're making those big withdrawals as you're thinking about your own retirement. 
We talked a little bit about taxing, uh, investing with tax efficiency. <clears throat> and the final advice I would have is that, um, that the whole purpose of this is, is to get help, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is something that you, you can certainly take on. As Don said, you can buy the software, you can pay for the upgrades, you can monitor changes in the tax rules, you can do everything you need to do. Uh, but, but it is overwhelming. And the question is, how confident are you going to be in terms of that overall process. Yeah. So meeting with a CFP, a, a certified professional, a certified, um, uh, a, a CFP certified planning, financial <laughs> planner, yeah, I can you say, uh, you know, we're going to be reviewing everything from your insurance needs, those with rate of withdrawal from your portfolio, the estate plan, charitable gift planning. Um, what happens if you move to a, a different uh, part of the country or to retire to a different country or period or different um, mm-hmm. every so, every time you went south for the uh, winter uh, and how to make those right investment choices as well. So I guess at the end of the day, having that overall financial plan about retirement is is in amongst, amongst itself one whole process in the six steps of financial planning, but it's, it's definitely the heavily yeah. weighted one yeah. at the end of the day. Now, so I've wrapped that up, but I'm, I've, we've got enough time. Well, just it's to kind of funny. You up. Talking about the CFP, Certified Financial Planner, it's a uh, you know it's a designation I know we've touched on before, and another member of my team, I mean my my son just got his uh, last week. Oh, and really? we, yes, and we were just yeah. t- discussing this, and just to give you you know the listeners a an idea just how different. How long before he's taking over all of our accounts? <laughs> <laughs> well, not not any time in the near future. What time? What time is it? <laughs> we, we keep kind of the phrase "freedom freedom eighty five rings a bell, but uh, <laughs> but it's interesting. The you know we can't stress the importance of this. So we have every member of our team, including Andy, of course, has his and his members his team, but it's. It's so important to have your financial planning professional having this designation. It shows commitment for one, but also just how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, I, knew, I hadn't gone through it myself for a while. I've had nine. Now we have to do, I believe it's 40 hours a year mm-hmm. to maintain um, our designation. So we've been doing that for years and years and years. So I, my son got his last, last week and it turns out there was 56% fail, failure rate. Really? Yes. Wow. And that's what it's belled at. They mm. want it at 56%. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it only gets harder. If you actually fail the first time, mm. it actually, the failure rate's even higher the second wow. time and third time. Yeah. Um, in fact, it, so it, it just shows like, again- it Keeps the riffraff out. You got it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sets the bar and it makes sure that they are committed to this industry and goes and going through the things that Andy just talked about, and we we talk about every day on the show of true financial planning, holistic financial planning, taking a look at the big picture, not just simply you know you know how much here's some money where where should I invest it? Mm-hmm. I, I always you know that's an investment planner, and there's I I still believe wholeheartedly this is a a far far vast difference between an investment planner and an and a financial planner yeah because they're going through all the different facets whether it's insurance planning that we talk about will planning i just had a conversation last week going over you know how to go through the whole will every child had a different case Mm. maybe one has a trust maybe one gets it early you know if we went through every situation we know them very well so that we can create these these kind of situations so when they see the lawyer they can update their will with some clarity going in rather than trying to guess what they should be doing. Um, 
retirement planning, should we spend it faster or earlier? Going through what we call that financial plan where we do that Monte Carlo analysis. So many facets, hence why we're still on this uh, radio show uh, what, 15 years later because yeah. there's always something to talk about. Discussing just the markets, yes, okay, we have you know, different reasons why the market goes up or down any given every, any given week. Uh, coronavirus is the latest one. Yeah, but all of a yeah. sudden it goes down 500 points one day, then within a couple of days it's back again. Mm -hmm. uh, making sure people stay in line and tr staying true to the financial plan. But you can only stay true to it if you have a financial plan. Yeah. And if you're going to have a financial plan, make sure it's done by somebody that is well, has a designation and the CFP is very important. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Great to hey, see you again, yes, gentlemen. Thanks, we'll see Scott. you next week. Thanks, guys.